Hey, hey, what you're about to hear is an interview with Matthew Bronger, actor, comedian, and most importantly for now, headliner. This Friday's show, the Over the Limit Comedy Festival, benefiting SOS Safe Ride. We talk about a bunch of stuff. We're going to kind of join in progress because I never do proper introductions for interviews. So here we go. Yeah, so that's one of the things I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about doing specials in this age where, like, there's an increasing number of specials. You did that last year. Was there kind of like a dead man walking feeling where, like, all right, all of these jokes have a timeline until that thing releases? Uh, yeah, but also there's certain ones that, I don't know, sometimes people want to hear. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's like, you in the end, you want to err on the side of good rather than new. But it's good for the audience and it's good for you to try to do as much new stuff as you do feel comfortable with because I feel like you can't really lie to an audience in terms of how you're feeling. And if you've done a joke like a thousand times, they're going to feel it because you're not going to be really as excited about it as you, as you used to be. And so you kind of want to have that something more stuff with a little bit of a fresh vitality. I think that's just what comes down to going up as often as you can within the range of sanity to kind of, to kind of work that stuff out as much as as much as possible, but yeah, they're, they're, you definitely don't want to do stuff that's 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 kind of been out and been filmed and been recorded. You want to err on the side of don't. But sometimes there's ones that you know I've had one or two jokes that I'm like, well, I'm going to bring this one out, and because I feel like it, it brings the room together and everything. So it's like you know, but like this. Think that's answering your question? Oh, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. I do have to ask, out of everything on that album, I I want to talk about Baby Goose. How did Ryan Gosling make the cut? Was there a different thing you tested a couple of different people? (laughs) No, because uh, he just is kind of, you know, I could go a little more obvious with like Brad Pitt, the archetypal handsome man. Yeah. You know, uh, but but I think Baby, I think most call him Baby Goose. Yeah, Gosling is kind of like everyone kind of agrees is 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 the hot, approachable dude because he's also very funny. Uh, he can kind of, he's one of those guys who can kind of do anything. And yeah. so you think, you know, he could he could go up and just and, and pick up anyone he wants. I love that. I just like the idea of you like kind of like because I have to imagine building out a set, you're workshopping things, something kind of evolves. And with a joke like that, I was just curious if if you had just walked in front of an audience and like one night it was Ryan Reynolds, one night it was someone else, like Hugh Jackman. No, you know, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is also a very sexy man and very uh, casually funny and a lot of charisma. But something about Gosling, I, he lives in my neighborhood, and I, we, there's a health food store here. And I was in it once, and he was in there with his kids, and he had this gorgeous sweater on. And my first thought was, man, he smells good. Like, that was my first thought. And it's like, it's just that thing where it's just, he's just got the stuff. So I think he just, he landed in that slot as that guy, you know, the anti-Weinstein, if you will. Oh, that's perfect. Well, that, and that's one of the things that I think is really exciting about your comedy in particular is you just, instead of like jumping into the jokes, you immediately go like, hey, audience, let's talk about racism or let's talk about white privilege. Is that just kind of like you just want to icebreaker the topic? <laughs> well, no, it's more, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I've been accused of what's being called these days virtue signaling for that kind of thing, which is generally a term trolls use. But they, they think it's as if you could win over a crowd by going, hey, we all agree on this, right? which is not true. The audience is not there to be lectured. They're not there to kind of, you know, get, listen to anyone's political platform. I literally only do jokes I think are funny. That's it. And me, it's one of those things where I think, you know, white privilege exists. So does racism. And it's, it's not as if I'm, I'm necessarily trying to make social change. I just find stuff funny that, that, that are in those, in those realms. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, my last special, Finally Live in Portland, one of the first bits is about a guy who was, who was caught on camera sig-hiling at a Trump rally. 
And it's not the joke is not about Trump. It's about the fact that we as human beings, when we're drunk, we get a little too loose and do things that might not be acceptable. And so my only bit with that guy was like he might not have even been racist. He just really wanted to try Sig Heiling because he was hammered. And then the next day he's in The New York Times and he gets fired. And it was like that. That was, you know, as, as I put it, he looks at the newspaper and goes, God, how drunk was I? Oh, my God, I was Nazi drunk last night. So it's not necessarily like, you know, I can see how someone would be like, oh, yeah, that's an anti-Trump joke. But it's like, well, it's more just making fun of this one person, because that was the first thought, you know, I had when I saw that picture of those guys where I was like, you know, one of them just wants to be part of this group, you know, and is just really wasted. <laughs> Because they looked insane. It is fun to kind of, you know, get in, get into, get into stuff of things I, I think should be changed by us making fun of them. But at the same time, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm a clown. I'm here for people to come and forget about their problems. So if you're, I don't, I don't really care what person's viewpoint is that they come see me. If they're there, I'm glad they're there. You know. One hundred percent. Well, actually, and, and kind of inverse of the trolls, I had a ton of fun looking across your Twitter feed. Well, uh, prepping for this interview, what what led you to do the the Bronger way? All that kind of like positive thought, positive messages, uh, especially that one when you were on vacation as well. It's more. I, I have a, I had a, a a podcast for a while that I just ended that was called um, Advice from a Dipstick with Matt Bronger, and people would call in for print purposes. You can put Advice from a Dipstick, but <laughs> people would call in and leave anonymous messages, and myself and my producer Amanda would basically do our best to answer that, you know, give them advice based on our life's mistakes, because I'm someone who have, has made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything because now I'm, I'm married to a great person. And uh, even though I got married in my forties for the first time, it's like, you know, every, you know, you got some problems here and there, but everything's great. So it's kind of like things can work out. And one major theme of it is just like, you know, your, what your, your second, third, fourth, fifth lease on life. And so I'm generally speaking a pretty positive guy. I like to have fun. And I, 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 I tend to, you know, a lot of times to my wife's chagrin, look at the bright side of other people. Well, maybe they're not so bad, you know, kind of thing. Um, but like, it, it's, it's, it's just kind of how I, how I am. And, and I have a new version of the podcast. that's just me. And that's going to be called this might help. And that's going to be rolling out in the next couple of weeks, which is going to be the exact same format but just me by myself and a guest and so it's it's kind of just like i just think i just kind of err on air on that side I, I i think about it sometimes if i would just go a lot more negative it would it might be funnier and it might and it's like maybe i'll do something like that but it's kind of just not me i i i don't know you know it's it, it's I'm one of those people who, you know, I, I have had something of an anger problem and stuff, but it's like when I do kind of get mad, it's kind of like the whole, the room gets cold because it's just, I'm just not known for that. And it's just, it just seems very serious. So, you know, I'm not someone who's going to do like a, an angry YouTube rant or, you know, so it's kind of, I don't know. I, it's, 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 there's no real agenda. It's just kind of how my, my, my mind works. And, you know, I like doing the the Hollywood stories one because it's it's all real stuff I've people I've worked with and it's just funny stuff. It's not necessarily stuff that's like, hey, this is this will make you feel better. But a lot of my stuff is like that for sure. Oh yeah, well the fact that you did that stuff with Michael Jordan is such a great story. Right. <laughs> yeah. So random. It's, it's fun to see that because it feels like 
looking through your Twitter feed, it almost felt like a time capsule. It's like Twitter from six years ago before like everyone lost their minds and Twitter became like a, a yell box. Like you're, you're posting funny stuff, funny stories, positivity. Yeah. Well, and I need to go through mine and kind of delete mine because I used to do that too. I used to engage with people that, you know, were, were you know, shooting and were sniping at me and like I, it, or, or, or just throw out stuff that's just like, it, I just don't, I don't think you make a lot of change doing that. You're, you're when you go after people and call people names and stuff. It just it doesn't work. So like I like people that have that just that just tweet really really funny stuff. You know I think you know Rob Delaney is kind of the, has always kind of been the king of, of Twitter and he's definitely a a big lefty like myself. But he'll also tweet hilarious stuff about how like his his wife is clearly sleeping with her karate instructor. And, you know <laughs> just stuff. You know like stuff like that and and. You know, I like, I like, I, I, I still think one of the funniest Twitter accounts is my buddy, uh, Mike's, uh, Carl Welzine, AKA dad boner, which is basically like, it's like the odyssey, but it's a guy living in Michigan who basically is divorcing his family to go party in his forties. <laughs> and it's, it's the saddest thing you ever read, but it's so funny. And, you know, I just, I like I like I like stuff that kind of like take takes you out of it. It, it. I really love following journalists and people on there that are keeping you up to date. And I will say, my wife hates Twitter. I have a love hate relationship with it. I do find you get the news faster than anything, you know, than on Twitter. You got to double check it. But there, you when when like when when an event happens, then you're like, whoa! I know I found it on Twitter before anything else. Oh, 100%. percent. Well, I always view like news on Twitter as like getting raw chicken. Like you really should cook it. Let it sit for a little bit before you like fully swallow. <laughs> that's that's really well said. That's it. That's really it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's raw chicken. Yeah. Well, looking at positive things. So SOS Safe Ride, wonderful organization. I did see your things you should do before you drive drunk. Number one being a punch on the balls. Like, where do you think SOS Safe Ride fits yep. on your list? The, you know, the first thing alcohol affects is your judgment. Mm. So it's it, the, the reason I kind of said the punch the ball thing is it's kind of like, you have to stop yourself, no, ma- no matter what you're, you're feeling. So, you know, injure yourself suddenly, you know. And, and so it's, it's it, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think that's a fantastic organization, what they're doing. But the thing is, like, you know, everyone knows uh, drinking and driving is wrong. But it, uh, people have their own definitions of what drunk is. Mm-hmm. And like me, I don't get behind the wheel if I've had a drop. And it's, and it's, it's, it's just because I've made so many mistakes in my life and I, I, I have so much to, you know, you, 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 you risk so much, obviously everyone knows that, but the thing we don't talk about enough is that it is the most commonly committed crime in America. Mm-hmm. And I, I would put that above, I would put that above cheating on your taxes or even jaywalking, you know, uh, it, where, because it's that thing where it's almost, I mean, alcohol is so prevalent and at the same time, you know, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, but we also have to go, it is the most dangerous drug because it's so prevalent and because it is one of the only substances that is readily celebrated, is always around, but if you have enough of it, you will black out. And, and as it's John Mulaney put it hilariously about his drinking days before he got sober, he's like, if you don't know what blacking out is, it's where you're... Your brain shuts off, but your body goes all eye of the tiger. It keeps going. Like, that line is so funny to me, but when you put it in the context of anything, it, 
to do with a car or you know uh, any any kind of risk like that. It's 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 one of those it's it's one of those things. I I always struggle with how to get the 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 point across to people and how dangerous it is. Um, but I think situations like this, like a festival like this, is a great idea because it's just this thing of just like well keep yourself educated. Don't don't get brought down by it. I, I think if we've learned anything. Um, kind of beating people over the head with how incredibly wrong it is, uh, is, is it, it works, but you need a little bit more. And, and I think one thing to kind of go is, well, let's just look at the facts of this, you know, and, and uh, uh, like my, my, my friend um, Sean Flannery in Chicago had this great show called The Blackout Diaries, where people would come up and talk about their drunkest times. And he, he not only has comedians on there, he has teachers, cops, like you name it. Um, and it's, 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 it's one of those things where it brings people together and you can bet no one's driving drunk home from that show. There's no way because all these people are telling these insane stories, uh, thankfully that worked out that were fun. And in the end, you can look back and laugh at them, but it's, it's this kind of thing of, well, let's, you know, I don't think people look at it from the, from the right angle. That's a really, really good point. I do have to ask you, so one of the craziest things that I saw in, in my research for you is that, like, every article still, whenever your name is, parentheses, the first thing they list is Agent Carter. Is that, like, the legacy you want to be yeah. remembered by? <laughs> That's so funny because, uh, wow, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the worst thing, no. I mean, it, it, that was – it was a little bit odd because I was in a drama, and I'm more known for comedy. I mean, it was, like, lighthearted drama, hmm. Marvel comics, but – the ironic thing is I, I went hiking this morning and I passed, I passed this uh, cafe and uh, my friend was like, Hey Matt. And I was like, who is that? He's like, it's Enver. And I ran back and Enver played the chief on agent Carter. Mm-hmm. And he was just sitting there and he was with his buddy who visiting from Nashville. And he's like, he's like, yeah, Bronger was on agent Carter with me. And we laughed about how I was, I was fatter then. And the outfits they made us wear, we had to wear like our belts above in that era, men wore their belts around their stomachs. Hmm. Like your belt loop would be over your belly button. And I hated it because I'm built like a pear. And I was fatter then. And I was just like, oh, this sucks so bad. And with Enver, you know, he's built like an athlete. So he looked fine. Like you could do anything with him. But like it, it – so to answer your question, is that that's really interesting to me. But the thing with me, I, I, I've said it in my act. People can't tell. I'm a, my level of fame is people can't tell if they've seen me on TV or if we went to high school together. <laughs> I, I because I've been in a lot of things, but there's no there's no thing like uh, Henry Winkler. Ho, Fonzie. You know, there's no thing like that. Uh, it's there's there's you know Samberly on Up All Night, Gene on Up. Uh, excuse me, Gene on Up All Night, uh, Samberly on um, Marvel, uh, Agent Carter. I've been on everything from like iCarly to Walk the Prank to I'm about to be on Blackish. Um, it's just I pop up randomly in stuff, which I love. I love doing these wackadoo characters that kind of you kind of get to show up and steal the scene because you're so insane or weird or whatever. But it, I haven't had that thing that's like, oh, that's what you remember him from. Most people know me from internet radio more than anything just from my stand-up mm-hmm. so if i get uh if i if i get acting work i would say getting acting work is like winning a decent scratch ticket like that's about how often it happens like a couple times a year and i'll come in and i'll work for a few weeks and you know it's 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 great i'm gonna be in um uh the new uh greg mills show 
Greg, who created the, the American Office and Parks and Recreation, this show on Amazon that's called Upload that's kind of hush-hush. Like, I can't even really talk about it, what it's about. It's just kind of futuristic thing, but mm-hmm. I played a neighbor on that, and they flew me up to Vancouver a couple times to shoot that. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm always just trying to plant little seeds where I just pop up here and there, but that's funny that they said that, that that's the first thing. But that was, I mean, I think it's probably because Marvel... Marvel Studios like runs the world right now. Yeah. So they're probably like, oh, he was in a Marvel thing. I started out in Chicago with Kamel Nanjiani, and now he's one of the the Eternals, I think they're called. Yeah. So he's basically like this big superhero. And you've seen the layout with how ripped he is now and stuff. And so I've just been jokingly been like, yeah, welcome to Marvel Universe, man. But like, I'm already here. So <laughs> like, you signed I, up before there I were personal trainers. Oh God. Yeah. And, and my guy couldn't have been, he probably lived on steak and cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, I like in that era. So like, and, and scotch, yeah. but like I, I, uh, you know, my God, people are like, Oh, they should bring your character back. And I'm like, he'd be 90. And did you see him? He's certainly dead. That guy's <laughs> dead now. Like there's no way. So, but there, there's always that little fantasy I have where it's like, Oh, bring me back as his grandson and do a, like a cameo in the next Avengers, oh, yeah. <laughs> which, it will never happen, but it's fun to dream. Well, there's time I mean, travel now. Seeing, that's true. See, there you go. There we go. Seeing, seeing uh, Haley Atwell, you know, as slow dancing with him as 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 Agent Carter in The Last Avengers, I was like, oh, oh this is awesome. But I was just laughing to myself at the idea of me walking past the house and going, hey, how'd you get back? Hey. You know. Is that Steve? I, yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be his friend. Oh, that's too funny. Walter, slow dancing, banging we, on the window. There we go. You should be the, the neighbor. They should bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Oh, God. I think like 1% of Marvel fans would love it, but 99% would be like, that. there was no point to that. That was stupid. Get him out of there. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. We'll get you on Disney Plus one of these days. <laughs> I got one final Perfect. question for you because a lot of these things are recorded in the past and the past and the past. Uh, you have that whole great bit about having sure. kids. Your wife has been in the past, like the central focus of a lot of jokes in your albums. Are you already like pre-planning, like having a baby joke or pregnant jokes? Are those off limits? As you said, hey, none of that. Have you guys discussed that at all? No, no. I, I don't think that, I don't think they're. I, I don't really set a boundary. I'm just like, all right, is this fun? It, 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 does it make me laugh? Mm-hmm. You know. And if, if if we if we have a baby and there's something about it that makes me laugh. I mean, look, there, there's stuff. I mean, w- my wife gives me so much material just by saying something totally insane yeah. to me, you know, that stuff that only like, you know, couples, which I'm just like, sometimes I'll write it down and be like, God, that's so gold. And she's like, don't say that on stage. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> because it's out of context. She would sound like an absolute maniac, mm-hmm. but I, I think it would be just air on the side of that because you know, the, the common, the common conception is that, uh, uh, oh, women that are having babies are, are oh so pure and so, but it's like they're just they say this just as filthy things as men oh, and yeah. things like that. And they're they're so it's it, that that's the first thing I could think of. Just some of the stuff my wife has said, you know. But like, you know, it would it would it would kind of err on on kind of uh, uh, you know that that side where I I, I can't really see myself doing stuff that might be well who knows mm-hmm. you know i won't know until, i was about to say that 
as relatable as some comics have made it, mm-hmm. I'm not really looked at as, if anything, I'm looked at as a, more as a fun uncle than a, <laughs> than, a, than a dad. But that could change in the blink of an eye. So who knows? I mean, I've gone through so many changes in the last couple of years that mm-hmm. I just, I don't know what's next. But I'm looking forward to it, whatever it is. Exactly. You almost can't recognize old video clips you post to yourself on Twitter. I, I, when I first started looking at it, I'm like, who's Dude, this guy they, who keeps linking to <laughs> we, we just put up this. I was in a, in a film that went to that went to Sundance in literally 10 years ago uh, that starred Liz, uh, Lizzie Kaplan and T.J. Miller. And it had, like, just a murderer's row. And it had Nick Kroll and a um, ton of other funny people. And I, I played a, a traffic cop who stopped who, – Stop them, God! Talk about bringing it back to the, bring it back to the circle. Who stopped them for drunk driving? Because the movie was called Successful Alcoholics, and it was about two people who have a clear drinking problem, but they're doing great in their lives, huh. which is, you know, a, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, a big problem. It's somehow not destroying them, but everyone in their lives knows they're killing themselves. And so, I pulled I pulled these these guys over, and we me, TJ and I improvised this scene of me being this cop stopping him. And like, you look at that, I am, I'd say probably 25 pounds heavier and my hair is long and greased back and it looks insane, but it's just, it's, and I'm also younger. And so it's like, I put that picture, the thing up and I'm just, it's, it's been up for a half an hour now and you should check it out. It's on my Instagram and my Facebook and my Twitter, but it's just, it's like, you look at it and you're like, who is that though? Cause it's, it look it's clearly me, but it's just I look so different. It's crazy. That is so crazy. And I gotta say one little quick thing. I love that you call your new album a record. I saw that on Twitter. You said you, you your new record is out. <laughs> I did want to ask real quick. I just remembering this thing. I forgot to write down this note. But you said it was uh, better doing a record than uh, doing a special. Was it just uh, easier to not have to film it, or what did you mean by that? I was really curious about that comment on your Twitter. Yeah, it it was it was so it was because finding live in Portland. With the, with the help of a management company, I produced it and did everything myself for the most part, like including including paying for it. And it, 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 I, I kind of had to throw it in to all together at the last minute because I had this comedy festival called Bridgetown that ended that year. And I got a venue and it was a good venue, but it's, you know, it's not, it wouldn't have been my number one. And I, there's, there's things I would change about it, not necessarily the material, or the performance, but just you know, the, the minutia that the only thing, the thing only I would know. So getting, and then, and then it was shopping it and you would have it with this network, have it with that network. People loved it, but they didn't have enough room on their roster. And so it would go back to you and then you would take it to another network. And so we finally got it set up in Amazon, which is gold. But by then almost two years had passed. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my wife in the meantime was like, just go do a, just do, just go do a record. And I was already working with this great uh, label called 800 pound gorilla. And they were like, we're ready. And so I was like, great. I have this weekend in Vermont. It's new year's Eve weekend. Let's just record all the shows. And that was that record. And that way I got rid of that hour um, or put it down on, on, on a recording before I got tired of all that material. And then I could start working on new material. So I'm shooting a special with 800 pound, um, in April oh, at really? the Moon Tower Comedy Festival, so it's nice. It's nice to just do an, an, an album in between these two specials, and really not adhere to the thing of you have to do a special and an al- album every time, because to 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 do that when there's the level. I mean, I do great. I got a, a, a lot of great fans, but 
you know, I'm, I'm not playing stadiums. I'm not Jim, Ka- Jim Gaffigan. I'm not Joe Coy. I'm not Kevin Hart. So it's, it's kind of that, that thing where you don't have someone that's knocking on your door going all the time going, where's the next special? It's like, I have to kind of put the output out myself, but why should I go by what people consider the rules to be? Because I listen to more comedy than I watch. So doing an album was a lot of, a lot of fun and, and now it's out and there you go. Well, that's awesome. Well, I could talk to you all day, but I know you're short on time. Thank you so much for chatting. Uh, looking forward to seeing you at the Weinberg Center this oh, Friday. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate it, man. And thanks for thanks for shining some light on such a uh, an important um, event. And I'm really excited to be there. Thanks so much for talking to me.